And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. Let's jump into the Metro Division right now. Uh, let's see here. So Carolina is our first team. Uh, they, um, they have, uh, all right. So yeah, they, uh, they lost, uh, they added Dougie Hamilton, um, Peter Morazic of Furland. I forget his first name. Uh, Michael Furland. Yeah. Um, and Calvin DeHaan. Um, they subtracted a lot of players though. Uh, Jeff Skinner, we already talked about. Noah Hannafin was another one. Elias Lindholm, who are both going to Calgary. Uh, Cam Ward, they subscribed to Derek Ryan. And uh, Stemniak, Lee Stemniak is also a subtraction. Uh, some rookies to watch, which should be fun, um, is uh, Andrei Sevnikov, who they uh, drafted uh, second overall in the 2018 draft. Martin Nikas, who they drafted in 2017. And then uh, Valentin Zaitov, who could be, uh, who had a decent year last year um, to end the season, but he could be like a top six guy. Um, they went, Carolina went um, 36, 35, and 11. Uh, they did, they didn't, they did kind of win the lottery in this regard because they weren't the worst team in their division, even. Um, so they, uh, but, and they almost made the playoffs even. So, uh, the biggest thing with Carolina though is, uh, they have, is their goaltending. Sebastian Ajo had, but first off they have guys like Sebastian Ajo who had 65 points, Tara Vinen who had 64 points, uh, Justin Williams who was decent at, at 51 points and Jordan Stahl who had 46 points. Of course, I'm, I'm missing Jeff Skinner, but, um, and then, but like their goaltending was crazy. Uh, so you had Scott Darling who went 13, 21 and seven with an eight, eight, eight save percentage. Um, and then you had Cam Ward who went, uh, 23, 14 and four with a nine Oh six save percentage. So that's not as, that's not terrible, but not great. Um, and then, uh, but he's not going to be there. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think the, the forward group is there. I think, um, even the defense is there with Slavin and Justin Falk, um, and now with Dougie Hamilton, but, um, at the same time, it's like, is, is Scott Darling going to show up? Um, is Peter Morazic going to show his potential that he was a couple of years ago? Um, and that, that, those are the biggest question marks. And, um, I don't know if necessarily the Jeff Skinner trade, um, was a smart move on their part. I know he was a rental and he probably wasn't going to sign there, but, um, it's, it's, it's kind of weird to give the reins to Shevnikov and Martin Nikos and, um, Zykov to, uh, to give them up and like, just hope they flourish, um, you know, should, should, it could work out for them. It could be like Sevnikov could be like, uh, could get 30 goals, I guess. But it seems like Skinner is more likely to get 30 goals for them uh, than Shevnikov. So that's that, that would be a concern. But I think goaltending is their biggest concern. 
Well, in order for Carolina to be a good team, the conditioning needs to be there. And in the early stages of training camp, a few of um, Rod Brendamore's exercises, speaking of which, Rod Brendamore is now the head coach of the Hurricanes. Uh, so there's another change there. Um, but uh, one, a couple of his exercises kind of displayed that way of thinking where they had to be in shape. They had to be conditioned well. There was lots of skating, lots of working out. And you look at teams like Ottawa last year, their conditioning wasn't that good. Um, and Mark Stone has already seen some improvements in that regard. So maybe um, the Canes will be a better team because their conditioning is better. Um, and even when their conditioning maybe wasn't as good as it needed to be, they're still one of the most disciplined teams in the league last year. So there's something to build on already. Um, one of the things that you didn't mention that needs to be mentioned when it comes to the Hurricanes offense is scoring outside their top line because Tara Vanen was great last year. Sebastian Ajo apparently is one of the few guys that um, management wants to keep around. And Justin Williams, they just named him the captain. Jordan Stahl is also there. But you lose pieces like Jeff Skinner and Elias Lindholm. Unless you're keen to do what Calgary did and put Furland on the top line, I don't know what level of production you're looking for from guys like Mikhail Furland, especially when Monaghan and Gautreaux aren't playing on his line anymore. Um, they've got a vacant roster spot up front. Possibly it goes to Sveshnikov. They feel he's ready to play at the NHL level right now. But they have also a lot of young NHL, AHL talents that uh, could crack an NHL squad right now. Um, especially with Victor Rask and that freak injury he suffered uh, about a week ago. So um, there's definitely some spots where you could see more young guys on the Hurricanes uh, opening night roster this year. But what's also important for these young guys is to not really develop a culture where everything is handed to you on a silver platter. They need to be in a position to work for their money. They need to be in a position where they can't take anything for granted. This needs to be a team that rewards people for doing good work and holding people accountable when they mess up. And all the good teams that sustain success year after year do this very well. And Calvin DeHaan didn't leave the Islanders or the Hurricanes for more of the same mediocre stuff. He said he came here to help this team win. And in order for this team to win, you need to start building a winner's culture. Um, as far as their roster goes on defense, the big question that I have is what's going to become of Justin Falk. Because you get a guy like Dougie Hamilton in a trade with Calgary, you trade one of their young defensemen, Noah Hannafin, to make it happen. Unless you want two power play specialists working together, something tells me that Falk is heading out for future pieces especially after they trade a guy like Jeff Skinner, who's a proven 30-goal scorer. Right. Like, you don't trade a proven 30-goal scorer to get better, right? Yeah. You, you trade a proven 30 So if you get basically another version of Justin Falk, the original version of Justin Falk is probably going to be traded, one would think. So I think these two guys for now are going to stay on the team if it yields positive results, if it, get, if it gets this team another step closer to where they need to be. Yeah. But I think ultimately he's heading out the door. Um, and, and like you said, you know, they got young defensive pieces to work around. Jakob Slavin, Brett Peche is another name. Um, those are two of the most underrated defensemen in this division, in my opinion. So um, 
I think they've got a better plan than last year's Islanders did defensively, but um, there's still a lot to work on. There's going to be a lot of competition between the pipes with Morassic and Darling. I can see some competition there, but um, it's just going to be like the Sabres a year where Carolina shows a few more strides of progress. But when you look at the rest of the division, I don't see them really usurping one of last year's playoff teams. I, I just don't see it right now. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with you on that part. I don't know. Like, they're, they're decent, but I don't think they could make a run. And I think the biggest problem is going to be their goaltending. If if Scott Darling has another one of those seasons again, it's like, I guess he's out of the league or something. Um, and they don't really have another, like, and I'm not sure if Peter Morazic's going to be able to help out either, so... Um, See, both of those guys had a chance to really grab the bull by the horns yeah. um, in, in their new places. Uh, Morassic with Philly when they had pretty much every single goalie on the IR. Right. And it, his numbers weren't that glamorous. So he was caught up in a numbers game. You know, that stuff happens. But um, Scott Darling had every single chance to take that job from Cam Ward. Yep. Uh, and he couldn't do that. So... I think both goalies have a lot to prove this year, and I think one of them is, is going to make a positive statement. It's just a matter of if it's Peter Morazic or if it's Scott Darling. Yep. Um, Columbus, uh, they went 45-30-7. Um, they finished fourth in the division. Um, Artemi Panarin, um, who I guess as of now it looks like he's He's still going to be on the Blue Jackets, although he has, I think he has, he says that he's not going to sign a, a contract this year or something like that. Um, so it's it's going to be an ongoing story, it looks like. Um, but uh, yeah, so Panarin went 27, uh, he had 82 points in 81 games, which is pretty good. Uh, Seth Jones had 57 points in 78 games, Pierre-Luc Dubois had 48 points in 82 games. Um, other than that, oh, Cam Atkinson had uh, 46 points in 65 games. He kind of, after his injury, he kind of picked things up. But other than that, it doesn't seem like a lot of the <laughs> the Blue Jackets uh, forward group didn't really do much. Uh, Zach Wierenski, who was injured for a bit, but uh, he um, he had 37 points in 77 games. Um, and that was all with, like, a broken hand or something. Uh, but the big story with that keeps the Blue Jackets together is Sergei Bobrovsky. Um, <clears throat> he, had, he went 37-22-6, um, and his save percentage was 9-21, and his GAA was 2.42. Um, and let's see, who did they add? They, didn't, they added Riley Nash. Um, they also assigned Anthony Duclair to see what he could possibly bring to the table, but they also lost a couple of guys in Thomas Vanek, Jack Johnson, Ian Cole, and Matt Calvert. Um, they don't really have any rookies to watch either. Um, yeah, Columbus seems like one of those teams that should be good, cause, but like, I still feel like they don't have enough depth um, to really make a run. Um, even if they were to make the playoffs, um, 
Like they sure they have Panarin now, they have Atkinson, um, but like Alexander Wenberg's your second line center, Borkstrand, I don't know, Josh Anderson was okay, uh Dubinsky, Boone Jenner, like who are these guys? So um um so it is I'm not sure if the Blue Jackets are gonna be that good this year. Um, I, I do see a lot of these, like, all these other pre- previews. They, they, one of the, the hockey news has them being first, which is just absurd to me. <laughs> Basically absurd to me. Like, I know Bob Rowski... I, I guess they figure that Panarin was going to resign. Right. But, like, even still, like, you have, like, all they have are Bobrovsky, Seth Jones, Wierenski, and Panarin. Like that, that that's gonna be that's better than Pittsburgh has or what Washington has or what uh you know it's so the, or like what Tampa and Toronto have so it's even, just even even Philly they you know, we're Philly, gonna yeah. talk about in a bit they added a piece yeah Philly Philly too. should be better so it's just so like I, like even like without all that stuff I'm just like I don't see Columbus like I feel like Columbus will probably uh make it to a wild card they'll be like a wild card contender throughout but i just i just don't think their depth is strong enough um unless Seth Jones and Wierenski go off and Panarin stays on the team and Dubois is pretty underrated too and he he's a good uh top line center for them they finally have that guy uh but it's like it's still, I, I, I just don't see them being a playoff team or, a, you know, a top three team in the, in the division. Yeah, I think that's safe to say, especially if, if Panarin gets traded. And according to the hockey news, this year is supposed to be the biggest one yet for the Blue Jackets, and I think it's largely because of how the Panarin and Bobrovsky situations are going to work out. Right. Um, and I think the Bobrovsky one is obviously more controllable than the Panarin one. So if Panarin decides to leave the organization, the Jackets need to get the best return they can for him, whether it's top-end prospects, high draft picks, solid roster players, etc. Um, when you look at the Jackets beyond Artemi Panarin, the closest thing to a goal scorer that you have right now is Kim Atkinson. And like you said, out of the gate last year, he struggled to score goals. Um, Tried it to him, though he did pick it up later in the season. Boone Jenner recently signed a contract extension with the club, but other than his 30-goal campaign, the first or second year of his NHL career, hasn't really done that much better. Um, Bjorkstrand stepped it up last year, but I think he's going to have to take another big step forward this year if Panarin opts to jump ship. Uh, Riley Nash, um, you'll wonder what the chemistry is going to be like for him after the year he had in Boston. And Alex Winberg um, had a bit of a down year last year, and he says he knows he's got to play better this year. Um, his goal is to get back on track this season. But like I said, if Panarin's gone, Columbus is basically going to have to deliver offense by committee. And they were a good team last year, yes, because of the secondary scoring last season. But Panarin was still the guy leading the charge. He was driving the boat of that Columbus Blue Jackets offense. So the Jackets aren't going to be as strong as they were last year if Panarin leaves and the secondary scorers stay the same. The secondary scorers are all going to have to step up their game, not just one guy, in order for Columbus to still be as dangerous as they were last season. And they weren't even dangerous to make the top three last year. 
because the division was so tight. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I guess that's it. I guess we have to get going. I just realized we're at the two hour mark, so uh, <laughs> we should get going. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I think like the, the Bobrovsky should be good. Um, and Panarin, sh- you know, will be, uh, inter- like the, the Panarin and Bobrovsky and Dubois and Jones should make it like make Columbus not bottom feeders, but yeah, I, I think Dubois is going to have a breakout season. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't expect big things from him. I don't think they'll be the worst team, but I don't think they'll they'll be in the middle. I would say they're 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 not a first place Metro Division no, no, winning no. team. No, they're not. Yeah, uh, New Jersey here forty. They went forty four twenty nine and nine. Uh, they were kind of a, like it was funny because if it wasn't for Colorado or Vegas, this would be the most surprising team uh, uh, to do it because uh, you know they they selected first overall. Um, but what was even incredible is they got Taylor Hall, who had a ninety, who had ninety three points in seventy six games. The next closest guy was the first overall pick in twenty seventeen, uh, which was Nico Heischer, who had fifty two points in eighty two games. And get this, he did it all with a broken hand. So imagine how much how much better he could be without a broken hand if he had fifty points um, with a broken hand. Um, Will Will Butcher had 44 points, kind of an underrated season. Um, Palmieri had 44 points. Um, Brad, Jesper Brad, who was kind of a revelation as well, um, he had 35 points. Um, they uh, this was a year that Corey Schneider wasn't great, but um, he was uh, kind of like uh, he was. He went 17, 16, and six. Um, and a 907 save percentage, but it seemed like Keith Kincaid kind of uh, took over from that. Um, and he went, Keith Kincaid had went 26, 10, and 3 and 913 save percentage. And I really think that's what it comes down to is if Keith Kincaid can continue to, uh, to pull those numbers out, and, and that could be an interesting um, aspect of things. Uh, they also have Pavel Zaka, who should step up, um, and Marcus Johansson um, as well, although he had concussion history all throughout the season, um, and uh, so he, we should see him be a, a player this year. Um, and then also, lastly, before I get to you, uh, the, the, New, the New Jersey Devils re-signed Miles Wood for four years, two point seven five million annual average value. Um, so that's like he's like a decent depth signing guy. He hits a lot. He you know he disturbs and stuff. But um, so that's not a bad bad deal for them. But um, yeah, it seems like uh, Nico Heischer and Taylor Hall will be. Um, the two guys to look forward to in, for Devils um, this year. Yeah, and I don't expect either player to regress that much this year, so yep. they're still going to be a, a, a pretty interesting team to watch. I also think Will Butcher, um, who was a Norris Trophy candidate early into the season, the first month or so, um, he, he really showed some great strides. So I, I think he's going to continue to develop and 
Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Sammy Vatnin does in his first year. Sammy Vatnin's another one, yeah. Um, and getting back to getting back to to Miles Wood for a sec. Um, in his first year, he had eight goals and seventeen points in sixty games. Uh, one goal shy of twenty last year. His point total jumps by fifteen. So thirty-two points in seventy-six games might sound, you know, average. But for a second-year guy, that's that's pretty decent. Imagine him quietly scoring 30 this year, perhaps. Yeah. I, I don't think that's out of the question at all. Um, so I, I think New Jersey is one of those teams, when you look at the guys they added and subtracted, they lost a couple of depth guys. They lost Mikhail Grabner. Uh, they lost uh, Patrick Maroon. Uh, John Moore, oh, I forgot to of course, mention that. Uh, yeah. now with the Bruins. Um, and uh, Gibbons also uh, quietly uh, provides good secondary scoring. He's no longer on the team. Uh, Jimmy Hayes is not on the team. So they they lost a couple of depth guys, and they didn't really gain all that much. All they added was Griba and Tangrady on two-way deals. But you look at teams like the Islanders, who lost to Bears. You look at teams like the Rangers that are rebuilding. You look at the Canes that are trying to get younger. This division didn't really change all that much. No one really got any better. Everything's pretty much stayed the same. So yeah. I think the Devils could still be a playoff threat, especially like you said, if Keith Kincaid uh, continues his solid play. Because or if down Corey... the stretch, he was basically the reason, not named Taylor Hall, why the Devils were able to get in the playoffs. Or if Corey Schneider can bounce back, that's not out of the realm of Yeah, or or. or or if both goalies, heck, both goalies are good, they yeah, can be even better. Too. Yeah, that's true, too. Um, the New York Islanders, you just mentioned them before. Yeah, they, they seem to be, other than the Hurricanes, they seem to be the team that made the most changes um, in this division in the offseason. Because uh, they lost John Tavares. Um, you know, they also, but they got uh, Robin Leonard, Matt Martin, Leo Komarov, Valtteri Filippula, they also signed Jan Kovar um, from the KHL. Um, and they also got Barry Trotz, who just won the Cup for the Capitals. And they also got Lou Lamorello, who is the GM for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So they, you know, they, they uh, improved their management because they were already better than um, the, um, you know, what they had with Garth Snow and um, and the, uh, the coach, I'm blanking on the name, uh, but Doug Wade, Doug Wade, but it, you know, it's still like they lost John Tavares. They lost Calvin DeHaan. They lost Yaroslav Halak. Uh, Chris Wagner isn't as big of a deal, but, um, so, so it is, it, it is a different, it's going to be a different team this year. Uh, Matt Barzal was, uh, <laughs> he outplayed John Tavares. Um, he had 85 points in 82 games. John Tavares had 84 points in 82 games. So it'll be interesting to see how Barzal does without John Tavares, as well as how Josh Bailey and Anders Lee and Jordan Eberle do without Tavares. Um, Bailey had 71 points in 76 games. Uh, Anders Lee had 62 points in 82 games, but they were both on John Tavares' line. Uh, Jordan Eberle had 59 points in 81 games. Nick Letty um, had pulled up a decent year, too. He had 42 points in 80 games. 
Um, Brock Nelson is another one, 35 points. Anthony Bolivier um, had 36 points in 71 games. Uh, Ryan Pulak kind of uh, showed up towards the end of the year, 32 points in 68 games. So, um, so yeah, it's it will be interesting to see that. Um, I guess the biggest question mark for the Islanders is a lot of things. One is how will Barzal do and the rest of the team will do without John Tavares because he was a big part of their team uh, for the last like decade or so, um, and, it'll, and that's going to hurt um, their team a lot. But, you know, you have Matthew Barzal, who is the Calder winning trophy winner, um, and he, you know, he was very good for them, but he was, he, you know, what sort of happened was that, like, opponents were preparing for Tavares, so they put all their top pairing guys on Tavares, and then that's when Barzal could, um, could take advantage because he was, you know, he was taking advantage of other guys. So now that Barzal's the guy, will he be able to handle the pressure? And that is something I don't, I'm not sure about yet. Um, he could be. He also had a couple of games where he had five assists um, in a game. So that could be, that has a factor too, where he's not, you're not going to expect him to have five assists um, in a game um, every, every now and then. Um, so, so that's going to be a question mark. Also, if, uh, you know, we did talk about this last week, but, uh, Robin Leonard, um, will he, like, how is he going to do, uh, now that he, it seems like he is healthy mentally. Um, and, uh, this is going to like, if he struggles now, uh, this is his third team. Um, it's like he might he might be you know out of the NHL if he struggles this year, um, and then the the other one is their defense is uh, that's going to be a big issue too. Is like uh, Johnny Boychuk was injured for a fair amount of season, but he's not really young, young per se. Nick Letty's decent. Ryan Pulak is also decent too, but um, they're not. You know, it's it could be uh, improved a lot, and that was a big reason why. They were one of the worst teams last year. It's like, of course, you have John Tavares and Matthew Barzal, but when you don't have a good defense, it's not gonna work out for you. So, um, or a good goalie even. So, so that's gonna be a that's gonna be an issue for them. Um, is their defense and the loss of John Tavares is gonna be uh, rough for sure. Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be an adjustment period. I don't think Anders Lee is going to be affected by it that much. I was I was taking a look at his line combinations with teammates last year. He's got his combined 74 goals over the past two seasons. Um, he recorded the same amount of assists during those two seasons as he, as he did goals last year, which is 40. So yeah. that just goes to show you what this guy is primarily used for, and that's scoring goals. Um, and over the... Each of the last four seasons, he averages around 180 but to 200 shots on goal. So the difference is, is that like he's going to have Brock Nelson as his center instead of T- John Tavares, or maybe he's going to have Barzal as his center. Which I guess and, and that's and that's why I was going to uh, hint at because you look at Barzal who had to have 170 shots on goal. He only scored 22 goals. He had 63 assists. So Matt Barzell is more of a playmaker than he is a goal scorer. So. 
I think if you put Matt Barzell on the same line as someone like uh, Anders Lee, I think that it, it, it could uh, it, it would limit to the blow of losing John Tavares in Anders Lee's case. The other guy that offensively I'm in, I'm interested to see how he's affected by all this is Josh Bailey because yeah. 50% of his total points at even strength last year came on the top line with Anders Lee and John Tavares. 65% of his time was spent on the top line. So it's good. I guess they could still show a fair bit of effectiveness on different lines, but is he going to erupt for 70 plus points like he did last season? That's, that that's not a guarantee by any stretch, and 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 we talk about um, the lack of success of them keeping the puck out of the net. Look, Nick Letty is a prime example of that. In each of the past three years, he's eclipsed forty points. But last year, he went from a minus three in 2016-2017 to a minus forty-two. Yeah. That happened in one season. That's a drop of minus thirty-nine, which. Um, I think I saw it uh, with when Kessel JVR uh, were both at like minus thirty one year with Toronto, but other than that, I have never seen a plus minus drop like that. Yeah, that's a crazy one. I don't take too much into plus minuses that much because you know some of the goals aren't necessarily a player's fault. It's just like oh, they happen <laughs> to be on the ice at a random time. But yeah, no, you're right. That that is a staggering a stat though, uh, for sure. I, I am I'm I'm curious to see I I'm a lot like this is going to be a very interesting team to see just because of this John Tavares stuff. Um, Robin Leonard is going to be interesting too because considering what we just talked about and how Matthew Barzell is going to handle everything, um, yeah. as along with like Bailey and Lee, if they're going to be able to sustain what they're going to do and who's going to who's going to also be like a, a, a like the second line center now. Um, that's gonna be interesting. Another person that could be interesting to watch is Josh Hosang. Um, yeah. Last year, he had like fights with I management. Feel like we've been saying that for at least three years. Now. Yeah, last year we had like the, there were apparently there were fights in management, and uh, Josh Hosang said that like they told him he didn't play defense, but then he complained in the AHL saying that like you know it's like I'm like. You know, the Islanders are the worst defense in the league, so you're going to put me down because I have bad defense when everyone else has bad defense, too. <laughs> so so I'm going to be curious to see how Barry Trotz treats this uh, Josh Hosang and Lou Lamarillos, who's known for, like, no, no funny business kind of thing. So I'll be curious to see how Josh Hosang will... Um, he could be like an X factor for them. If he can't, if they if they don't allow players to grow beards, yeah. um, chances are they probably won't deal with attitudes very well. Right. So, so I'm 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 going to be interested to see how Hosang handles this new regime of yeah. things. Uh, new York Rangers. Uh, they kind of said in big uh, in the middle of the year that they were going to be rebuilding, and it kind of showed. Because they uh, they finished last in the Metro uh, Division, they went thirty four, thirty nine, and nine. Uh, their leading point scorer was let's see here. Hold on, I'm usually more prepared. Uh, <laughs> Matt Matt Zuccarello was their leading point scorer, who had fifty three points. 
Um, then you have Mika Zibanejad, who had 47 points. Kevin Hayes, who they uh, just re-signed for one year, he had 44 points. Uh, Chris Kreider had 37 points in 58 games. Uh, Buchnevich had 43 points in 74 games. Uh, Kevin Shattenkirk, uh, who uh, was injured for a bit, but he had 23, uh, you know, he took off half the season. He had 23 points in 46 games. Uh, uh, let's see here. In terms of notable for the goalies, Henrik Lundqvist had, went 26, 26, and 7, um, and their save percentage of 915. Um, Nemistikov had four, when they got him, uh, he had four points in 19 games. And the other one I wanted to mention was Ryan Spooner, who had, uh, when they acquired him from the Rick Nash trade, they ha- he had 16 points in 20 games. Um, so that's pretty good, uh, from that regard and, and, and all that stuff. So having said all that, like, you know, obviously those stats weren't great, but, um, oh, all right, I should do the additions and subtractions. So they didn't really add anyone except for Adam McQuaid, um, and they didn't really subtract anyone besides Andre Pavlich, who retired. Um, but they also traded away Rick Nash, JT Miller, Ryan McDonough, um, and a couple of other guys um, during the season. So, you know, more or less, they kind of, those guys were also counted as departures as well. But they, you know, they have Philip Heedle and Leas Anderson in the mix now, it seems like. So they, you know, and I'm going to go with a hot take, and I don't think they're going to be that terrible this year. Um, I know that they've said that they're going to be rebuilding and all that stuff, but, like, it's all, like, a lot of it's, like, Chris Kreider, Kevin Shattenkirk, um, uh, they, they were all injured. Uh, it seemed like, uh, Elaine Vigneault, the coach at the time was kind of like lost the room at the point. So it seemed like, and, that, and now they have this new coach who is, uh, uh, David Peter, I think it's David Quinn, uh, who used to be on BU and he knows how to handle all these young players. So it's like, I feel like they could be an underrated X factor. I think they could make the wild card. I know it's crazy, but uh, that's going to be my wild prediction of the year. I think the Rangers could actually be, make the playoffs. Um, I don't think they're as good as the Penguins or the Flyers or the the Capitals, but I could see them out beating like the the rest of the the people in their division. Um, so. Um, yeah. <laughs> what do you say? Uh, well, I, I, I think it's certainly going to be interesting to watch under a first-year coach how good this Rangers offense is going to be. Like, how is yeah. he going to work the power play? How will he utilize Ryan Spooner offensively throughout right. the year? Um, how will guys like Bushnevich and Jimmy Vasey be able to do uh, under David Quinn? Um is this team going to be one that thrives on speed or are they going to be more tactical in their approach? Because on the giveaway front, they were absolutely terrible. They were top five in, in, in giveaways last year. Part of the reason why they didn't do as well as they probably could have. Right. Um, the big unknown that I'm interested to see 
unfold is Vladislav Nemesnikov and who he really is. Yeah, that's um, I think he's a guy that can put up a decent amount of points in the right situation. And we saw it last year in Tampa, 20-goal score, 42 points, 62 games. Um, as a top-line guy, as a guy who spent a lot of time in the top power play unit, over 60% of his damage and even strength on the year came with two top 20 players playing alongside him. And with his power play production, it was over 80%, uh, largely thanks to those same individuals. Vladdy was able to do very well because he could play with them. And his shooting percentage at the time of the trade to New York was over 15%. Then he goes to New York. His shooting percentage with the Rangers is at 7.1%, only scores two goals on 28 shots, and records a single power play point. The one thing that I will say is that when Vlaslav Nemestikov was getting time on the power play, Kevin Shattenkirk was still recovering from injury. And now that Kevin Shattenkirk is back, hopefully 100% healthy, maybe the power play stats improved for Vlaslav Nemestikov this year. Yep. And while talking about Shattenkirk, he's another piece for this Rangers team that has to have a major presence, especially on the power play. And obviously it goes without saying that Henrik Lundqvist is going to have to have an A++ kind of year right. if this team has any chance of making the playoffs. Like you said, I wouldn't go as far to say they're a wildcard contender or a wildcard team, but I don't think they're going to be as bad as some people think. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, let's go to the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, they, uh, they, the biggest notable addition was JVR, James Van Riemsdyk. Uh, the notable subtractions were, uh, Peter Mrazek. Oh, yeah, I forgot to say how they did last year. Uh, they went 42, 26, and 14. Um, they, uh, that makes them third in the division. Uh, Claude Giroux had 102 points. Um, kind of, which is crazy. Borchek had 85 points. Sean Couturier, um, 76 points. He broke out. So did Shane Gostisbehere, who broke out and had 65 points in 78 games. Konechny was pretty good uh, for them. For he had 47 points in 81 games. Wayne Simmons had been kind of battling with injuries, but uh, he had 46 points in 75 games. Um, and then, um, Nolan Patrick kind of, uh, took off towards the end of the year. Um, but he ended up with 30 points in 73 games. Um, so he's probably going to have a step up, I guess. Um, but yeah, it should be helped with James and Reemstech. Uh, I do want to mention this, uh, that Carter Hart has been unbelievable in the preseason. I know it's preseason and I know it's a goalie, but... Um, and he's 20 years old, um, but he had uh, he had he's only given up two goals um, in the two games that he's played so far. 30, 38 shots, and he's he has 36 saves here. Um, he's been by far the best Flyers goalie in the preseason. And again, I know it's the preseason, but uh, I I I I'm gonna. Go on a hot take because I know also that uh, Michael Nervith is injured for a bit as well, so that's a bad that's bad luck for him. But um, 
I'm going to go on a limb and say that I think Carter Hart could be the backup this year. Um, I'm not sure if that's going to be necessarily smart for them, but um, I could could see that happening. But, um, but yeah, it seems like the Flyers are full of young talent. Um, Provorov, I mentioned before, he he's pretty underrated. Um, he could break out Shane Gossespierre, as I mentioned before. Um, but, uh, and Nolan Patrick could step up, and as well as Travis Konechny, um, who's been on the top line with Giroux and Couturier. So, um, I could see this Flyers team being, like, a, 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 a pretty decent team, um, especially if Brian Elliott can, can be consistent, uh, this year. I'm not going to talk too much about the Flyers, because they were kind of tight on time, and also, um... One of the big trading pieces, not named Artemi Panarin in the league right now, is Wayne Simmons, and yep. uh, I would like to save some of that information that I have uh, that I have on my list here for another episode. But what I will say on the Flyers regarding Carter Hart is, you look at their defense outside of Profarov, outside of Ghost Despair. McDonald is still recovering from injury. Andrew McDonald. Um, I think about a month ago was announced that he'd be out at least six weeks. He's still recovering from injury there. Uh, you mentioned Neuwirth, who's not at 100% right now. I think we can both agree that Carter Hart is done in the WHL. He's got nothing left to prove yeah. over there. Like, he is about as dominant as you can possibly get in the CHL level. So I think he's ready for the AHL. I think a year or two of grooming for him would do him a great deal of good like it did for Carey Price. Um, and I say that because as a team right now, yeah, the Flyers added James Van Riemsdyk. And they have options galore offensively. You know, they could put Konechny on the wing. They could make Patrick the third-line center. Um, there's been talk that Claude Giroux could move back to center. Um, and JVR could uh, play on the second line and maybe Couturier could center that line. Yeah. Which, you know, it, it isn't honestly a bad thought. Like, the, the Flyers look very good on the offensive side. Yeah. But like the Dallas Stars, on defense, you know, there are a lot of question marks. There are a lot of what-ifs. And their goaltending um, has been inconsistent. Even when Elliott and Neuwirth were healthy, it was inconsistent last year. Um, so... I think at some point, either one of Anthony Stolarz or Alex Lyon is going to be traded because Carter Hart is probably going to take their spot anyway on the team. Yeah. Um, so I think one of those young prospects will have to be sacrificed at some point this year because I think Carter Hart is ready to play in the Flyers system. I don't think he's going to be a backup to Brian Elliott just yet um, because I don't think the I don't think if you're the Flyers, you should put Carter Hart into an NHL spot unless you're ready to contend for a Stanley Cup. And the Flyers are a playoff team, I think, but they're not a Stanley Cup contender. I don't know. Like, they still have a lot of flaws to address defensively, and I, I think that's going to limit to how much damage they can do this year. Yeah. I think guys like Nolan Patrick and Travis Konechny are going to have big seasons. Um, I think JVR is going to fit in nicely. I think... Giroux and Couturier um, stand a very good chance of uh, yeah. replicating their tolls or close to it from last year. 
But I still see the Flyers as a first-round exit that's going to be undone by defense and goaltending. I don't know. I think it's like it's one of those things because Giroux is not necessarily going to be any younger. Um, and same with Voracek and same with Simmons. I know he's on the trade block, but uh, let's just pretend that he's going to be on the team for the full season. So, yeah. like, it's not like they're necessarily like, – it's not like they're necessarily going to be young. And also, like, I understand the Flyers have a, had a history of bad goaltending. So exactly. you want to, so you want it like, if you have a guy like Carter Hart, who's been one of the best goalie prospects in a long, yep. long time, yep. so you want to make sure that you don't, like, you don't ruin him. But at the same time, it's like, if he can play, he can play. So if he can play at the NHL level... I don't see what's the big deal of just trying to like ride him out and 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 have him play. I know he's the crazier thing is is that he's twenty years old, so it's like it's like almost amazing that he can uh, if he can actually sustain it and all. But um, but yeah, no, I, I I I guess I could see why they would just put him in the AHL regardless and see if Stolarz or Lyon can be the guy, because it looks like uh, Nurvirth is going to be injured for a while. But still, I don't know. It's It, it will be interesting to see. Um, yeah, so I know you are... Are you... How much time do you have? Uh, probably about 10 minutes. Okay, because we have just Pittsburgh and Washington left, so... Okay. Um, I'll just go, I'll try to go, we'll try to go quickly here. Pittsburgh, uh, they are, uh, they went, they finished 47, uh, 29 and 6. Uh, they finished second in the league, in the division. Um, the big guys were Malkin, who had 98 points in 78 games. It's, it's funny how, what happens when you're healthy. Uh, uh, Phil Kessel also had a breakout year. He was, Speaking of healthy, he had 92 points in 82 games. Uh, Sidney Crosby had 89 points in 82 games. Uh, big question mark, though, is Matt Murray, because he was injured for part of the year, but this is his first year as a starter, um, and uh, he went 27-16-3 uh, with a 9.07 save percentage and a 2.92 uh, GAA, of course, you could just mark that up to, like, oh, he's just recovering from injury. He also had some personal issues because his dad died. Um, so, so that's, that, so maybe he'll, he'll bounce back this year. Um, and then Tristan Jari wasn't terrible when he, um, oh, when he was in the, in the game. He had, uh, 26, uh, in 26 games, he had, he went 14, 6, and 2. In a save percentage of nine oh eight, which isn't great, but it's not terrible either. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 times like this where you realize, like, oh yeah, Mark Andre Fleury probably they probably could have used a Mark Andre Fleury. Um, Chris Letang had fifty one points in seventy nine games, and Patrick Hornquist, which is kind of underrated, he had twenty nine goals last year. I was looking at this the other day. It's like, oh my god, he had twenty nine goals in seventy games. So that's amazing. And the last person before I take it back to you, Jake Gensel um, had 48 points in 82 games. Oh, wait, I have to do the notable additions and subtractions. The only 
Notable addition is Jack Johnson and Matt Cullen, and then uh, they lost Connor Sherry, but um, I felt like he was kind of like a lost cause, so maybe he'll have a bounce back in Buffalo. But uh, anyways, uh, yeah, so what, what's, what do you think of the Penguins? Well, uh, they kept a lot of their depth. You know, Riley Shan they re-signed. Brian Rust, they re-signed. Um, Dominic Simon, Daniel Sprong, uh, some of their young guys. Uh, Tristan Jury, you just mentioned, they re-signed him. Yeah. Uh, they got Tobias Lindbergh back on a two-way. He could be something. Jamie Alexiak is there for three more years. Um, so they still have a lot of depth. And then you look at the regulars. Gensel and Crosby lit the league on fire in the, in, uh, the postseason last year. Uh, obviously, Evgeny Malkin uh, is Evgeny Malkin, and Phil Kessel is Phil Kessel. And you also have Zach Aston Reese to look forward to. So this team is still in win-now mode. And um, Sidney Crosby, uh, in some of his off-season comments, he, he was talking about how um, this team is basically in a win-now mentality. They're still hungry to win. They still feel like they have a lot to prove. And I think even though they're not in the same division as Tampa, Toronto, and Boston – where they would probably be in a tougher position if they were in that division. Yeah. Um, I do think time is running out on them because you can only uh, keep your young pieces for so long before you can't afford them and you basically have to continue drafting wisely. Like That caught up with the Blackhawks eventually, and it's going to catch up to Pittsburgh at some point. Right. So with Tampa and Toronto... Um, you know, being the team that gets in their way if they make it to the conference finals. Um, I see those two teams only getting better as the years go on. So I guess to a certain extent, this is kind of a win-now year for the Penguins. Yeah. But they still have a lot of depth. They still have guys like Broussard and, and Sheehan, like I mentioned, outside the top six that can help them. Um, and the, the big part for them on defense is Jack Johnson and Crystal Tank. Yep. Crystal Tang says he's never felt better, um, or at the very least, he hasn't felt this good in a very long time heading into training camp. And in Jack Johnson's case, we're going to find out if he was shortchanged by the Jackets or um, if he's as bad as Torres thought he was. Right. So um, I, I, I think the Penguins are still going to be a team that a lot of people are going to be chasing. And the Penguins have a history of, like, making uh, better players out of, like, teams that they kind of, like, other teams that they kind of forgot about. Justin yeah. Schultz is the perfect example of that. Um, yeah. So, um, and Jamie Oleskiak is as well. So, um, especially on defense. So maybe that'll, that'll be the same thing that'll happen with Jack Johnson. Um, we'll see. Um, yeah, and I think it's like it's hard to count out a team like the Penguins when you have when they still have Crosby, when they still have Malkin, when they still have Kessel. So it, it, it's tough to truly count them out, even if they haven't. You know, they still got a hundred points last year, so that's not bad. Uh, that's, and lastly, we're gonna save it. I guess save the best for last because uh, we uh, the the Stanley Cup team uh, winner, uh, the Washington Capitals. Uh, they didn't even lose that many p- people. They lost Grubauer, who I guess helped them out towards the end of the season to uh, make them uh, become the Metropolitan Division winner. 
Uh, they lost Jay Beagle and Brooks Orpig, but that's not a huge deal. Well, actually, they kind of lost Brooks Orpig because then they somehow got him back. Oh, right, right, right. Well, yeah, my, so my hockey news uh, is outdated. That's, <laughs> There's that's, another big yeah, piece another of outdated news for you. Yeah, but anyways, they uh, they went 49-26-7. Alex Ovechkin was their leader um, with 87 points in 82 games. Kuznetsov had a breakout year with 83 points in 79 games. Backstrom had uh, 71 points in 81 games. And John Carlson had his breakout year. He had 68 points in 82 games. Uh, T.J. Oshie, and then this is where it kind of falls apart, because T.J. Oshie had 47 points in 74 games, so that kind of needs to be better. Uh, Lars Eller needs to be, had uh, 38 points in 81 games, and Tom Wilson had 35 points in 78 games. But he is, <laughs> he's pretty, he's rich now. So, uh, so there's that. But that is stuff to think about when you're, um, for the Capitals, is like those guys because they like Oshie, Eller, Wilson, uh, Verana, Burakovsky. Uh, they all kind of um, they didn't really have great regular season numbers, but during the playoffs they were phenomenal. So it's like it, it will be curious to see how they and Smith Pelly is another one. Um, I'll be interested to see how those guys do in the regular season, considering how good they were in the playoffs. Um, and that was the big difference in the playoffs is like, like usually what happens is like Ovechkin and Backstrom do stuff and then no one else like pulls their weight. But this time the big difference was everyone else was pulling their weight and Ovechkin was good too. And Holtby kind of figured things out too. So, um, so that, that'll be interesting. And speaking of Holtby, he, uh, he did get an off year this year. Um, he went 34-16-4 with a 9.07 save percentage and a 2.99 GAA. Um, and Grubauer, uh, who's now on Colorado, um, kind of bailed them out um, towards the end of the season um, with a 9.23 save percentage and a 15-10-3 uh, record. Um, so... Uh, towards the end of the season, he kind of like was a main reason why they were winning all those games at the end. Mm-hmm. But then uh, during the postseason, uh, Grubauer kind of fell off, and uh, Barry Trotz was just riding the hot hand, and Holtby ended up becoming the goalie that they could use. Um, so um, yeah, it'll be like I'll be interested to see how that goes, and like. Maybe Holtby has been fatigued a bit, and um, I don't know who their backup is now. It's probably, is it Samsonov? I don't know. I would think it would be Elias Samsonov, yeah. But he hasn't even played in the AHL. Exactly, which kind of raises more red flags as to how many games Holtby uh, oh, Phoenix could, they have here. could be playing this year, so... There, All right, I'm looking at their depth though. chart here. It says here that Phoenix Copley could would be the backup. Yeah, and he hasn't really played much NHL hockey no. either. So, so yeah. I, anyway. I, either either way, the Caps are in a pretty tough spot, and I, I think they'll be in an even tougher spot if Tom Wilson doesn't uh, play like the top line yeah. player that they hope he's going to become. Uh, he also needs to stay disciplined. The good news is he's been talking with player safety over the summer, so. 
maybe by knowing what is and isn't right um, that uh, you'll be able to help the team more than is uh, hindering the team. Uh, a couple of sleepers I have on this team, Sergei Shumakov, who they signed out of the KHL. Um, I know a lot of people looking at the Shibachev case uh, with Vegas last year and how that ended. Uh, everyone's like, uh, I got to be careful with these guys. But you look at the Caps who have Ovi, Kuznetsov, and Orlov. Um, there's not going to be as much of a culture shock, I think, for Shumakov in Washington because of the Russian talent that the Caps have. I think they have... Um, the talent that is not only going to be able to help ease the transition from a cultural standpoint, but from a hockey standpoint as well. So I think I think Shumakov could impress. I also think Andre Burakovsky is going to have a big year. He only played in 56 games in 2017-18, only 84 shots on goal, but he somehow managed to score 12 goals, and five of them were game winners. So if he's healthy and if he's used correctly this year, um, I, I think big things are going to happen uh, for Andre Burakovsky. Um, and I, I think overall as a team, um, I think the Caps are still a top three team in the Metro Division. I don't know if they're division winners, but I think they're a top three team. Um, it's when they get into the playoffs um, where I have some questions. Yeah, I, I guess the same here. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is weird, though, because, like, this is a new age where they won the Stanley Cup, so it's now, yeah. it's like, the narrative's different now. Yeah, but they I, have I, something to defend instead of something to prove. Right, exactly. So we know what they're capable of, but it's like, will they be able to sustain it, and that's what I'm unsure of. Um, so now we're going to, who are your top three, and who will finish last? Um, this is, I'm, I'm going to take some time to think about this. So you, you go with your top three. Okay. Uh, and also, uh, put on my wildcard picks as well. Sure. Yeah. All right. So Pittsburgh's going to finish first. I think they'll also be fighting with Tampa for top spots, uh, in the East. Uh, Washington comes in second. I think towards the end of the season, hopefully he's going to be wearing down. So that'll be something for Washington to watch. Um, Despite their question marks on defense, I think Philly takes the third spot, and I think we will see Carter Hart at some point, but I think it's going to be mostly because of injury as opposed to um, him earning his spot there. I think they're still going to take his, their time with him. Uh, New Jersey will finish fourth. They'll be neck and neck with Philly and Columbus, though, and uh, the same will be for Columbus. Uh, depending on what happens with Panarin, I think they'll be jousting for a wild card spot as well. I have Carolina in fifth. Uh, the Islanders in six and uh, the um, or sorry, I have Carolina in six, the Islanders in seventh, and the Rangers in eighth. But I should mention that Carolina Islanders and Rangers, um, they're probably going to be separated by like five points. It's okay. going to be a tie race to the bottom. Wow. Okay. And, so uh, my my two wild cards would be Florida and New Jersey. Okay, so you don't think the Rangers are? Oh wait, what about Columbus? I think they're just going to miss out, especially if... Wait, oh, I thought you had Columbus ahead of New Jersey. Did you no. Know? Oh, yeah, okay. No. I, so, have, I have uh, Florida a bit higher than uh, both New Jersey and Columbus. I think right, New no, Jersey no, no, no. Okay, I thought, I thought you had Columbus ahead of New Jersey. Uh, the Yeah, so I'm... I think I'm going to... I'm not too sure if Matt Murray's going to be a, the guy, but um, I think... Pittsburgh is 
the best team in this division, though. So, um, just in terms of Kessel, Malkin, and Crosby, that's a tough, uh, a tough uh, threesome to beat. So, uh, so I have Pittsburgh at one. Washington, I'm also concerned about Braden Holtby, but I think they'll figure things out as they always do. So I think they'll be two. As for three, this is where it gets a little tricky because I'm not. I want to say Philadelphia, but they have even bigger goalie concerns. Um, so maybe Columbus and maybe New Jersey, but uh, I'm going to say Philadelphia with three. Um, and then the wild card. Um, so I have Florida making the wild card, um, but and then I guess Columbus as well. But I could see the Rangers making some noise. Um, that's going to be my hot wild, my hot team to, to follow this year. Um, but I don't think they'll make the playoffs, but I think they'll, they'll make some noise. Um, and, uh, New Jersey will kind of battle it out towards the end. I don't think Carolina is going to be as good. Um, I'm (laughs) their goalie situation is, is tough. And I think in terms of who's going to finish last, I would say the Islanders. Um, although I could, I I'm I'm I'd be happy to be proven wrong because I I after Robin Leonard's story, I kind of want to see him secede. Um, yeah. So I I would be happy if Robin Leonard actually is a you know has a good season this year. I'd be happy for that. But um, at the moment, I I feel like the loss of John Tavares. Is going to be too much, and they're just going to bottom out. So, um, yeah. Uh, so that that's my list. Um, I'm actually um, Eastern Conference final matchup. Do you have one ready? I do. Uh, yeah. I th- well, yeah. I think Tampa is going to come out of the Atlantic Metro. It's a little tougher. Uh, yeah, I'm probably going to say Pittsburgh. Uh, maybe Philadelphia has an outside shot. Okay. Um, I went with Toronto and Pittsburgh last year. You can tell how well that turned out, yeah. but I'm going to try my luck again. I said Toronto in seven last year. I say Toronto in six. However, however, that comes with an asterisk. Toronto needs to improve their defense at the deadline. If they don't, it'll be Tampa Bay. Okay. But I'm expecting Toronto to improve their defense and they will be playing in the finals this year. But if yeah. they don't, it'll be Tampa Bay. Yeah, I'm taking the ter- the defensive issues for Toronto into account. Yeah. So that's why I'm going to say uh, no, that they're not going to make it. That, that I feel like Tampa has that edge. Um, so, but I have. Uh, I hope the Bruins make it, but it's I, I at the moment uh, it's Tampa and Toronto there, but. Um, and then in terms of winning, going to the Stanley Cup Finals, I think Tampa, it's, it's their time. So um, I'm, I have Tampa in the Stanley Cup Finals. And I'll reveal that, uh, who I have in the Western Conference next week, um, as will you. I'm actually going to split this up, uh, Steve, that we're going to do the Atlantic Division on, or I'm going to publish that on Tuesday and then mm-hmm. Wednesday, I'm going to publish the Metro Division. Um, okay, that's fair. Because it's way too long. We're almost at three hours now. So, <laughs> um, But I'll, I'll, I'll make sure everyone knows that I'm Brett Duboff. 
Oh wait. I'm yeah. Twitter. <laughs> Twitter's lace them up. Our Facebook is uh, lace. Uh, our Twitter's lace up podcast. Or, or if you don't know by now, our SoundCloud. You can catch us all on SoundCloud. We're also on iTunes as well. And we are. Uh, our Facebook is lace them up. Sorry, I'm Brett Dubuff now. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again and tackle the Western Conference in episode 139 of the Lace Em Up podcast. Hopefully it isn't as long. <laughs> <laughs> it probably will be. It probably will be.